everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where our guest today is Jessie Bannister. Jessie is a dear friend of mine. She's an incredible female leader, and she is growing her financial services business and has just some incredible insights into the price of leadership. You're not going to want to miss what Jessie has to share. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we talk with leaders all over the world about pulling back the curtain on leadership and talking to them about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited because I have my dear friend, colleague, and advocate, Jesse Bannister, as my guest today. Jesse is a powerful, loving, and disciplined financial services professional. She and her amazing team are committed to helping their clients grow old, healthy, and wealthy so they never experiencing being old, sick, and poor. Jessie is married to her friend Ryan, with whom she has honey dripping love, and I can't wait to tell you more about that, what she has taught me about honey dripping love, and they have three girls, and their baby boy Samson is due September of 2020. Jessie, Thank you so much, sister, for being on my show. Thank you so much for having me. I feel special after hearing you have read that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you should feel special because you are just such a blessing to me and so many other people. You have helped me sort out so many things. And, you know, tremendous leadership is all about having the tribe in your group to help you unpack leadership. And that's what we really want to hear from you today about what it took you to pay the price of leadership. So thank you, sister. Thank you. I'm excited for this conversation. Absolutely. Well, my father wrote this book, uh, <clears throat> Jesse, called The Price of Leadership. Actually, it was his most given speech throughout all his history of speeches. He loved um, talking about leadership, was quite passionate about it. And it was a very pragmatic speech. It was very much, uh, you know what, leadership is what we are put on this earth. It's what we have, uh, are, are made by our creator to do. But there's a price you have to pay, like everything else in life. And the first price that he talks about is loneliness. And, you know, you and I, when we were young, little starry-eyed leaders wanting to grow up and be wonderful, tremendous women leaders, you know, we had probably heard it's lonely at the top. And so I think we kind of understood that there's an element of this um, loneliness. And a lot of times people get into leadership because they want to be in front of everybody and surrounded by everybody and cheered on by everybody. So can you explain to me what loneliness has meant to you in your career in any capacity as a leader? And um, when you've been through a time of loneliness and what you would offer to our leaders out there listening if they are going through a season of loneliness? Okay. Absolutely, I can speak to that. I actually think um, there was a study done, I don't know the name of the study, but there used to be a time when stress was considered to be the number one killer, especially in American society where we felt overwhelmed by things. And then a study was done later on that said it wasn't necessarily the stress, but it was what we thought about stress huh. that led to us having health complications later on. Okay. And so it took me time to get to this point, but I would actually say I'm experiencing a degree of loneliness now. Mm. But what has changed from my early starry-eyed days of loneliness is my perspective on it. So I hope you don't mind me diving into a little bit of my spirituality, but Christ, Jesus even did that. There were times when he was 
interacting with his friends, his buddies, his disciples, and ministering to people and spending time in crowds. But he also was intentional about taking the time to recharge, to rejuvenate, to connect with his source. Mm. And now I actually enjoy loneliness. Now, don't get me wrong. There are days when I may experience disappointments, where I may expect someone to be there with me during a certain phase of my journey. But where I am now, I'm at a point where I'm able to count it all joy and understand that there's a purpose to me having this isolated time. It's nothing for nothing else but for rejuvenation. I typically find that when I feel the loneliness, the loneliness, it's an opportunity for me to be more intentional about what some people say, self-care, making sure that I'm spending time just thinking Um, Some of the larger firms in this country, they pay their employees just to sit and think for eight hours a week. And so now I appreciate loneliness in a way that I didn't when I was younger in my career, when I was younger in building my business. Um, So for me, I I enjoy loneliness these days. I enjoy the solitude. It doesn't happen all of the time, especially with three kids and a fourth on the way and uh, being on my second and last marriage, but the opportunities when I get to be alone, I really embrace. And for me, that's been something that's led to breakthrough on the psychological level and a mental level. And when I take that time, I even call, I use something called the 12-week year. And one of the blocks that's promoted in the 12-week year is called our strategic block. The block where we just spend that time devoting it to only activities that'll help our business from a bird's eye level, not the minutia, not the email, not the text messages, okay. just sitting. And I love it because hopefully we can circle back down to the vision part, just yes. thinking about our vision. And so now I, I love the loneliness and I love the solitude because it gives me time to really tackle that strategic block and think about what I want to do next from a, on a high level. I love that. And your team, you lead a team and they need you. you to come down from the mountain and tell them, and, and you know, there's that camaraderie. We're part of them, but, but they're waiting for you to set that. And I love that you brought out, uh, my dad always said that he goes, there's loneliness and then there's oneness. And a lot of times if it's just oneness, it's oneness with Christ. And that's when we get clarity on what to do next from him so then we can go back and share that with other people but i love that you said that it is a real maturing thing and in in the early stages it can be for our younger leaders listening it can be quite disorienting and then you learn to really just love it because you don't as as you get up in rank and responsibilities you don't always have that time to be alone Agreed. Um, and it's one thing that I really enjoy too. And with my team and you saying that it reminded me of Moses coming down from the mountain also and with instruction and with guidance. And so, yeah, even on my team, I actually shortly after we're done with this call, I'm leaving for what my husband and I call our baby moon anniversary. So we're going on a baby moon and we're celebrating our fourth anniversary. So even during that time, we've committed to a tech detox. We're not checking emails. We have a very narrow definition of what an emergency means in this case so basically it's only if our kids call us because Mm -hmm. like they have a severed limb or something but (laughs) even then we're assuming their other parents are going to help them navigate that so I mean I'm about to enter into a season of loneliness but just with my husband so we have that opportunity to connect and ground ourselves and determine the vision that we want to come down from the mountain with even for our children and for our household so to me, that, that was one of my favorite ones. And the world, I think, calls it today me time and self-care. 
go for yeah. it. I believe in also being very intentional and strategic with that meantime and not just sitting and scrolling through social media, not um, aimlessly and mindlessly watching television. For me, it's disconnecting mm -hmm. from the world so that I can reconnect with my source with God mm -hmm. and then come back down from the mountain and do whatever he calls me to do next. I love it. And I love that you talked about the bird's eye level because I think a lot of us think with this COVID thing, well, um, it's cleared my plate. And I had to really sit there and go, how much of my plate did it really clear? Am I scrolling through stuff? Am I reading stuff that really, I mean, take the time and get that bird's eye level and, and stop focusing on what's going on now because that's immaterial. That's going to happen regardless of whether you scroll or not. But to really focus on what is next for your business. And that's, yeah. and there's still time folks, because we're still kind of in this weird quasi place. And, and it's just, it gives you such energy then when you really stop focusing on just sitting there and wondering, okay, you know, how is life going to be when I get back out? No, you, you get to figure it out and determine it. I agree. I agree. Oh, I and yeah, I love it. And I'm not sure um, how you plan to transition to the weariness component, but, but for me, it often ties into that. Yes. Usually Let's when talk I'm feeling about that next. Yeah. With the weariness. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, usually when I'm feeling the most weary, I find for me, it's when I've been the most inefficient with my time. Yes. Yes. What a great way to say it. I love, and my dad would say, he's like, you can be bored weary or work weary. And when you're work weary, you have a heart of joy. When you're bored weary, oh, that's it, Jesse. It's because I, I have not been intentional about focusing on the right things. And it's yes. draining. Yes, oh. it is. And it's, for me, it's aimless and I feel a little squirrely. My team and I say, <laughs> we're like squirrel and we're distracted by the things of life that seem like they're really important in the moment, oh, but man. really they take us away from the bigger picture. So one thing that I use to keep myself grounded during this time, and it does feed into the other components is I, again, use my strategic block, usually that time of loneliness, intentional loneliness, to create what I call a dream list. And you can make these for whatever category or topic in life that you want. Okay. And so I do have a dream business list. And long ago, I determined that I wanted a team of incredibly competent women who are powerful and aware of their power in and of their own right, and who are not threatening or threatened by the power of other women. So our team grew from the two women, my mother and myself, because we're celebrating 20 years in business this year, to now a team of seven incredibly competent and brilliant women with a like mind. We have shared goals, we have collective goals and corporate goals, but we also have those individual goals that we're being cheerleaders for one another about. Mm -hmm. And so during that weariness time, again, I've been inefficient with my time. So during the loneliness time, I create the dream business that I like. And I've done this in so many different areas of my life. And what I recommend for this list is making it as detailed and as juicy and as close to real life as possible, where we're able to touch it, feel it, sense it, detect it, and immerse ourselves in the idea of it long before it's actually manifested in the physical. So that's been a really fun exercise too. And I think when I first started that, it was scary because I first did that. The first time I ever did it successfully from start to finish was with my current husband. So I'm divorced from my first husband, my first spouse. And I got a really cute kid out of that marriage. So I'm going to be even grateful for that season. <laughs> um, but that marriage dissolved. And then I was single parenting for six years. Don't get me wrong. I did it. And I survived. My child is still alive. 
We somehow, you know, lived through that. But then there was a time when I thought, while I can do this, I'm very tired. And I no longer want to do this. So now I want to do life with someone who is safe, someone who is uh, a person of integrity, someone who has a strong relationship with God so that he loves me more, he loves God more than he loves me. And that Mm -hmm. automatically trickles down to loving my, my daughter. Um, But it was very scary. And I remember sharing this list with one friend and my, and the scariest part for me was putting a buy one day on it by when I was requesting God to fulfill this ask. Okay. And he tells us to come and ask him for things. So I first made this list in October of 2014, and it was scary. I could do everything but the by when. So then I was like, fine, I'll just put a date down. So I said December 31st of the same year. I shared it with one friend. And December 31st came and went that year. No, pro- no marriage prospects. I mean, um, there's always someone you can hang out with and eat dinner with and things like that. But there were no, there was no solid marriage prospects. And my friend said to me, what happened to this husband of yours that you asked for? And I yes. felt so dejected and sad and upset. And I said, God, I know I'm asking for something that's okay. Right. And I felt something say, well, just move your by when date forward by another six months. Or no, by another year, I think it was. Okay. So I said, okay. And I dealt with the disappointment and the embarrassment of having shared it with a friend, which took courage. And then the following year on July 1st of 2015, I was dating who I would call like a placeholder at the time. Really good guy. But again, and he loved me. I loved him. But marriage was not in the cards for us. So I remember one day I woke up and I said, because marriage isn't in the cards with him, why am I continuing as if it is? Right. So I broke up with him on a Wednesday night. He invited me out to a networking kind of happy hour event the next day. And in walks this tall guy who just came and stood next to me. And he didn't say anything. And eventually I turned to him and I said, you're going to have to say something, like sit down and like have a conversation or walk away because it's weird to loom. Like you're looming over. <laughs> so he, he sat down. We had a conversation and that's when I knew. And I said to him, I wouldn't give him my number, but I said to him, I'm going to keep you. I didn't know what it meant at the time, but a year and three months later, we were married and we celebrate our fourth year of marriage and then our baby coming this, this month. So, and it was a scary list. It consisted of at least 25 items, but I found it later on because I made only one list. And then I like lost it. I found it after we got married. And I said, my husband's name is Ryan. I said, Ryan, this is you on this paper. And I didn't even know I was writing about you at the time. Wow. And he looked at the list and he thought, because I, I said I wanted 6'5 and taller. My husband's 6'10. And I, I got everything on my list with him and some more. <laughs> yeah, so I firmly believe with regard to work. Oh, the second successful one was with my baby. There were no prospects of me getting married or pregnant. Mm-hmm. My husband didn't want any more children. Uh, it was it was beautiful. He was adamant. He didn't want any more kids. And I said, that's okay. Like, I feel like God put it on my heart to have a baby and specifically a son. And so I pray, I started praying for my son and I made the dream, a dream baby list in 2018. And we found out we were pregnant earlier this year and we were not trying and He's due this September, so he's my my miracle baby. Oh, gosh. 
that's okay. So Jesse, back to this. Okay. When you say this strategic block, how often do you do that? How often do you set time out to do that? Great question. So this is, this is proprietary. It's not my plan. It is weekly and it's for three consecutive hours. Okay. So no text messages, no text messages, no emails, nothing. This is a time where you are intentionally isolating yourself and you're mainly giving yourself time to uh, do some high level things mm -hmm. that will help your business. Mm -hmm. If it's mm -hmm. sitting and thinking, then it's sitting and thinking. Right. If it's sitting and reading a book for three consecutive hours, it's sitting and reading a book for three, or you can split that up and do other things, but it's undistracted, uninterrupted time. Your door is closed. You let your family know in advance, especially if you're working from home right now. Right. You let whoever might interrupt you or try to get your attention during this time, you, you guard this time. And right. you consider it very sacred. And you, in, according to this book, um, it is something that you do weekly. And that has helped me immensely. Okay. And so then do you have um, different, like, focus on your personal life or your spiritual life? You know how we chunk areas of our life up into professional, financial health, uh, personal relationships, you know, the, the different. Do you then have a set time for each one of them? Or is it the one that's leading on your heart? Or do you do like the business one once a week and the other one's kind of, if, if you get to them, how, how do you, okay. how do you span it all? Great question. So what I specifically call my strategic block is just for business. Okay. Nothing else. Now the one that is dedicated to personal, according to this book, the 12 week year is called your breakout block. So during your breakout block, that's when you're still disconnected from tech and from work. And it's just on your family and on personal things. Ooh, so every okay. week, you get three hours of uninterrupted business visioneering, and then three hours a week, you get consecutive uninterrupted time being with family, being with self, not working. It's kind of like um, a self-imposed Sabbath, but as it relates to the, the individual aspects of your life. So that is a weekly experience for me. Right, right. Well, I love that you hit the word Sabbath because everything from loneliness, which is not a bad thing when you're Sabbathing, it's oneness. You know what I'm saying? With you and your creator, because there's times when we just need to talk to our father. That's it. You know, he needs to have a good talk with us. We, we desperately need to hear from him. But that, that then you talk about Sabbathing because um, the weariness too, a lot of times, like you said, it's non-value added work. It's waste. It's, it's knowing that you should. Okay. So I want to go to the next thing, which my father talks about abandonment. And in it, he talks about, we need to stop th thinking and doing what we like and want to think about and focus on what we ought and need to think about. And so, you know, when we talk about abandonment, you got to be pushing all the other nonsense off your plate that fills your day that really does nothing but drain you, confuse you, or actually set you back. So how do you stay really hyper-focused? I know you talked about um, your blocks and doing that. How else, Jesse, do you stay really hyper-focused on the business and, and, and what, what your mission is and not drift off? So I have coaches in my life. I have mentors in my life. I have sponsors and cheerleaders. And this was definitely, I think, a huge growth area for me. There was a lot of opportunity for development here. And some of the ways that I addressed abandonment, I will say I actively did. And others, I felt like God naturally just made space for me. So yes. in this particular section, when I was thinking about that, for me, it meant for some people, it was a friend divorce. There were friend, friendly relationships that were no longer serving either one of us. Right. In right. some sense, it might 
everyone has their, their view on divorce, but I realized in my first marriage, it, that season, for whatever reason, just came to an end. And it took me time to heal from that. I'm sure it took my former spouse time to heal from that. But that happened there. And then I've had business divorces too, working relationships that were no longer serving the parties that were involved. And some of them I understood and I was able to say, this has been great. And this season has come to an end. And we were able to mutually agree upon how to move forward and consciously uncouple. And other things, I just felt like I got slammed. And I felt like God was saying, I've been telling you that this is no longer serving you. And this is no longer working. And you haven't taken the steps to get it out of your life and to minimize its impact. So I'm just going to help you. Rip, (laughs) prune, snip. And for leaders so, out there, I mean, and don't beat yourself up when it happens. Even Jesse and I, and we're, we're, we're not shy about making the, the right thing, but sometimes it's tough. You know that this is done, but, but what is it that we just are like, well, I can breathe life into this dying plant. It's like, no, you can't. It's not meant to be anymore. So yeah. thank you for yeah. sharing that. <laughs> Well, it reminded me of the one uh, scripture that says there's a time and a place for everything. And there's a time and a place even for death. Death is a part of the life experience. And sometimes the end of a relationship, when we let go of things or our ideas of things, then our our palms are wide open and we're ready to receive the next thing that he has in store for us. And so that growth aspect so again, I embrace the, the abandonment. My mom, I love that we both have uh, parents who kind of raised us in this industry. And I feel like we're so fortunate and privileged because I realize not everyone got this growing up. But you said the price of leadership. My mom would always say, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. So yes. same thing just in my mom's vernacular. But another that. thing that she regularly told me was that rejection and abandonment is a blessing because it makes space and it creates margin in your life for things that are available for the next level and season of my development. So had I not, I feel like had I not learned to embrace that as a, as a younger person, I would not be where I am today. Right. And I love that. And, and for those of us that did grow up with that, that very pragmatic, hey, um, every step, you're going to have to leave something by the wayside and suit up in a different way. So I always knew, you know, it's going to hurt, but, it, but it's par for the course. But for, for other um, uh, leaders out there, this is par for the course. So, so I think just talking about that and embracing that as leaders, that I think sometimes we think, well, if I'm a leader, I ought to be able to just keep growing and keep everything along with me and keep balancing balancing more and more. And it's like, no, 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 that's, that's not leadership at all. You know? And so thank you. Thank you. And what did you say? She said to be the, what the boss, what was that? <laughs> yes. So your, your father said, there's a price to being a leader. There's a yes. price to leadership. My mom said, there's a cost to being the boss, <laughs> to being in that leadership role. There so is. that was, uh, she said that often. Yeah. And I didn't I, like hearing it as a kid. I, can't I, know. Say I enjoyed hearing it as a kid. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, well, then why do people want to be leaders if it's so scary? And then I'm like, yeah, people say they want to do it, but very few actually, when they get up, they're like, pruning hurts, but thank yeah. God, thank God he's so gracious with us. And I mean, I can remember times where finally he would just have to yank the rug out from under me. And I'm like, ow. And he's like, I tried to tell you, but he's so gracious with us. And in the end, I mean, don't dwell on it. Don't beat yourself up as a leader. We're we're, we're all human. And just, just the sooner you can just 
shake your head, suit up and get on your way. You know, cause with God, there is no lost time. He knew that you were going to hold uh-huh. on to this far longer mm-hmm. than you should have. And mm-hmm. I just, that was one of the things I had to really learn as, as a Christian leader. There's no lost time with God. He can take for every year that I wallowed in the mm-hmm. wrong relationship or focusing on the wrong thing. He can redeem that in a second and exponentially uh-huh. bless that. And what and a he- joy. Yes, restoring the years that the locusts have eaten, even if yes. I invited the locusts in. Yes. It reminds me of the story of uh, the Israelites being saved, right, uh, from slavery and from bondage. And God said they were supposed to spend some time in the wilderness. According to the Bible and from my personal study, so I'm not a biblical scholar, hopefully I get this right, but God only intended for them to be in the wilderness for 11 days. Correct. But because of the ways in which they were trying to hold on to things that were no longer serving them. There was grumbling and complaining and just stuff that was not serving them and working for them. And there was a lesson that God wanted them to learn. Yes. As a result, it took 40 years instead of just the 11 days. So I'm constantly asking myself and praying and asking God, I said, let me learn it in 11 days. I know. Let me learn it in 11 days, not 40 years, 11 days. So right. that's a prayer that I constantly pray over myself. It is. And, and you know what? But, but what a blessing too. He made it so they weren't hungry. So their yeah. shoes didn't wear out. So I still remind people, look, yeah. we are fallen. We are pathetic. But <laughs> he still loves us unconditionally and will yeah. provide for us even in our obtuse, boneheaded, worst days yeah. kind of thing. Oh so. my gosh. Yeah. And he provided the quail, the manna, and even with the manna, that was a lesson in faith. He said, do not take any more than what you need to eat for the day. And the people who kept more and tried to save it, it was, there were flies and maggots and things and it had gone terribly bad overnight. So he kept giving them opportunity after opportunity to trust and to, to develop and grow. So yeah, that abandonment aspect, he'll make sure we, we get what he wants us to get during that time, regardless of how long it takes and he'll restore the years. So there's so much promise and hope in that whole message. Right. And that's why I tell leaders, you know what? I don't care if you're 20 or if you're 80, it doesn't matter. Your whole uh, life that you can, you can change and you can impact people is out there. And that's why we see leaders, true leaders that are in, I mean, I interviewed a guy earlier today, Jerry Balloon, that's 84 and he's every day talking strategically about what's going on because life just gets better every day because we realize, you know, yes, we're going to lose these physical shells, but we're just going to keep pressing on into eternity doing what we're doing here. So what's the point, you know, just keep on going. Yeah, I completely agree. I love it. Okay. So Jesse, (coughs) excuse me. The last point that he talked about was vision. And um, I think when I was a young girl, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really tenacious, but I don't think I'm very visionary. You know, I don't think I have that, oh, you know, coming down from the mountain type thing. But my dad really talked about the vision is really nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and just doing it. And I'm like, okay, I can get my head wrapped around that. So how do you really hone your vision and your clarity? You're growing a business, things are changing, the world's changing. How do you stay uh, vision oriented? Well, I think the first step for me and for my team is again, establishing what our common mission is. So our objective at the end of every single day on a spiritual level, I don't always share this with clients, but on a spiritual personal level is how can I be intentional about putting a smile on God's face with my team? Our constant reminder is how can we help our clients grow old, healthy, and wealthy so that they never experience being old, sick, and poor. Mm -hmm. And that's a very holistic approach. I've had people tell me you're doing too much with your clients actually, or 
or it, it doesn't take all of that. And I, there was a time when I, I questioned whether I was doing too much for my clients or I was over serving them or I was giving them more than what I was being compensated for. But over time, I realized that's what makes myself and my team distinctive because we are adding value in that sense. And so the conversations that I'm having with my clients and the vision, it's all based in that smile on God's face, helping others. And those are the two greatest commandments we realize to love God and love others. Mm -hmm. But after that has been established, and that's a solid mission that we all have memorized from there, especially during the strategic blocks, we just allow ourselves to get caught up in wonder and awe and be creative. If we're made in his image and we're already his masterpieces, oftentimes I just sit and ponder and then these lightning bolts of epiphanies come to me. I, for me at this point, it's pretty effortless. With my team, we call it visioneering. So whatever does pop in our heads, it's, it's kind of like the end product. And then we trace it back and we explore its origins. And that's why we love spending that time thinking. I think it was Tesla who said, the reason why he believes a majority of his experiments went well and a majority of the things that he invented ended up working is because he saw them as finished and complete long before they were ever materialized in the physical. And so now that we're spending that time doing that, we first say, what do we want from a business standpoint? Then we begin reverse engineering in our minds before pen even hits paper, especially during the strategic blocks. And I kid you not, Tracy, I wish I had a more sophisticated answer, but things just happen after that. Right. It's almost like we, we get the idea and we leave the logistics to God. Les Brown is one of my favorite, like your dad too, one of my favorite people. Les Brown's laugh is so contagious to me. <laughs> and your father's energy, so contagious. I never got to meet him, but I've, I've seen videos and I've heard his talks. But he, Les Brown often says the how is none of our business. I realize when I try and force an outcome, and when I try and make every nitty gritty detail work, I end up usually feeling frustrated right. and the person I'm interacting with feels frustrated. So oftentimes during that vision time, when we're visioneering, we get those lightning bolt moments, those aha moments during the quiet time. And then we do explore it and kind of think about it and trace it back. But ultimately I do leave a lot of the logistics to God. I say, mm -hmm. well, now, you know, I need to meet this person. Or right. now, you know, we need this much in revenue to make this happen. So I'm asking for that thing. How you do it, I don't care. God. Right. And I know it'll be legal if God does it. It'll be legal. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, so I, I really do these days leave, leave the logistics to God. Oh, my gosh, Jesse. That's absolutely beautiful. And I love how you talked about for people. I love that. Well, you're doing too much. And I think that that's a real concern for business people because we're here. We have to turn a profit or else, you know, I, I, as much as we love to give, we still are in a for-profit business. And, you know, uh, Russell Conwell even said, hey, you should make a profit. To not make a profit is wrong, okay? Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> But I love that you talked about, too, what differentiates you is going above and beyond. And I think that's, that's kind of where dad created that tribe for everybody. Yeah, it was books, and yeah, it was people, and yeah, it was laughter, and yeah, it was Christ. But it was, it was just, it was so much more because it was just always this outpouring. And I love that you really, I love that you brought that up. And I love that you um, put a lot of stuff squarely in God's column to figure out the logistics of how to make it happen for our leaders out there. I'm telling you, we're good. We're not that good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, and I've come to realize this time and time again. I said, God, I, I've got nothing. You've got this. And he tells us to exchange. 
He says, I'll trade you. I promise you I can handle this. If, we, if you give me your burden and you take on the very few simplistic things, he says, Obedi- I prefer obedience over sacrifice. Yeah. I prefer you loving people over anything else. If you do these simple things, they don't always feel easy to people, but if you do these simple things, I promise you I'll take care of the rest. And for me, he has every single time financially oh my with my business. Even people ask me, how did you grow your, your sales force? I don't have an answer right. other than I knew what I wanted in the end. I knew what kind of, uh, what kind of subagents I wanted. Outside of that, I didn't know how to attract them. And every single person who's on my team now was introduced to me by someone else that I knew who I just shared my vision with. Mm-hmm. I encourage people to share your vision with others, even if it's still scary to do that. Because oftentimes when I would share it, people would say, well, how are you going to do that? And I would very honestly say, I don't know. I just know that's what I want. And that's what is on my heart right now. And well, just Jesse- I just, I was listening to dads, you know, we do our throwback Thursday and this is the one that's coming out tomorrow. Um, but it's, it's, if, if you're listening to this later in time, it's part three of, of a five part series on leadership, but he talks about if we learn a lesson, we talk about the lesson, but if we learn about Christ, then we talk about Christ. And so I think I'm with you, uh, growing a business, sustaining a business, people are like, how do you do it? I'm not really sure. I wish I could tell you more than that. Um, I tried not to quench the spirit, okay? But I love that you put put a smile on God's face. And I mean, other than that, because otherwise, I don't know how I did it. And even if I did know how I did it, it's probably not going to work for you because everything is so contextualized. But if I could tell you all about, I don't know, God did it, well... I know 1000% of the time, that's the guaranteed success method. And so I love that you just, that's how you're doing it, sister. And, and the proof is in the pudding. God is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great business partner. You know what I'm saying? Very little credit other than blindly saying, okay, let's see if this works. I do encourage people to do that too. There are very few areas where I think God says, try me and test me in this. But that, that faith dare Oh, there's nothing else. Try that. And I will say there's a bigger space in my world for generosity than there was before. Mm-hmm. There is something to it, it being better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying leave one, one, leave one self destitute, but I do right. know that the most generous people are often the most wealthy. Right. And so there's a bigger space for that in my world. It's just fun now. Right. It's an adventure. Well- and that's some of our guys, what was it? Acres of diamonds. And as a man thinketh, it's all about the righteous use of wealth and the gospel yeah. wealth. And the more that we create for other people, we don't love money, yeah. but we love what we can do to help other people. Yeah. And the more we pour out to other people, yeah. um, the more that's just, we're good stewards of it. And we're yeah. entrusted with more. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Oh, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, sister, I, we could go on and on. So Jesse, we covered the four uh, main tenets of the price of leadership. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that we have not directly addressed? Okay. One thing I would like to share that has also helped tremendously, I will say for me as a female. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a guy. I know what it's like to be married to one, to work with them. I have four brothers. I will say for in my group, which again, consists of all women right now, um, I think women sometimes in general need a different way to recharge and connect. So with the women that I work with, we lead time for three things. I call them a drive-by high, where we just call and check on one another. How are we doing today? Okay. Then I call it a drive-by sigh, where 
we need to vent. There's something that's built up. We might not have managed our well. There might be something happening on the operation side that's frustrating, so the drive-by sigh. And then the drive-by cry, where we just don't even know what's happening. It's just a day. But when we, when we acknowledge where we are, then we can quick, more quickly get over it and oh, get on to the larger thing. So that's one thing that is a staple in the way that I run my team and the way that I run my business. And we leave room for that. And we have that vocabulary where we can quickly say, I need this or I need that. And then one of us delivers for the other person, even if that means stepping in to handle the meeting. So with, with my group of women, that has been essential. If one of the kids isn't feeling well, that has been huge and has helped us tremendously. So um, I found even just with my brothers, my brothers don't always need things like that. My male colleagues don't always need that. Right. We as females, I think guys are emotive also, but because generally speaking, women emote differently, we leave space for that too. So I will say if you're working with a younger leader and if you're working with a female leader, there could be an opportunity to incorporate something like that, especially if someone's just having a day or they, their kid vomited before they got to the office or the Zoom call or Sometimes we just need to decompress and that's been really useful for us. So I love that. That is so good. And for women, I mean, we carry so much. There's so many different things on us that I love that. And, you know, I'm like you, I'm tough as nails and we were brought up, you know, you don't cry and you know, I, I get that, but there are times where boy, you do need to have that high, that sigh and that cry because there are going to be times, especially in what's going on today. Um, there's a lot of heartbreaking stuff going on in the world more than we have ever had to deal with. And, and yeah. you got to stop and acknowledge, you know, that, that this takes a toll emotionally on us, share it, get that support, let it out. And like you said, the sooner you address it, the more it gives you time. I mean, I, I can remember I've been sick the last two weeks and I had no idea how that affected my emotional state. Why? Because I'm never sick. And all of a sudden I was like, why, why am I even on this planet? What does anything mean? And I'm like, where is that coming from? And you know what? We're still human. And, and I just, I just got with Lee and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to articulate what is going on, but I'm just going to start processing words and here come the Kleenexes. And it was just so healthy to do. I agree. I agree. And I, I like that you said that too, because with me, I haven't been pregnant in 10 years. I literally, I have one baby that was born in 2010, another born in 2020. So I had forgotten one, what it felt like to be pregnant. And two, every pregnancy apparently is different. So this little boy has, I, I've had to give myself space to just be pregnant sometimes. Yes. Um, and, and one of my agents is pregnant also. We're due two weeks apart. We're both having boys. So even that has been ex an experience of extending grace to myself to needing extra time in the morning for the nausea to pass or whatever the case may be. But I think if we're more gracious with ourselves, we're yes. able to extend more grace to others. And I think, again, especially with women, that is well-received and appreciated. Oh boy, is it ever. It is ever. And it was so good too, even with Lee and I, with what's going on with, with the change in environment. It's like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. Bring the kids to work, take time off. We'll figure it out. And, and, and to be able to adjust and not be so rigid about, well, if you don't do this, then you're going to be on the chopping block. And it's like, but, but the way the world is now, it's all so different. And so that grace and finding a way, Hey, you don't want to lose somebody good. And um, you, you can find a way around it. You can find a way through it. And yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what family's about. Work family yeah. too. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Jesse, how do people get in touch with you? 
So I am on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. And I have an email address. I know you have a link to my website. So being an older millennial, I'm all over the internet. One just has to remember that Jessica is spelled with a Y and Bannister is spelled with two N's. And I'm pretty Googleable, if that's a word I can make up here. Yes. <laughs> I love it, Jesse. Oh, sister. Well, thank you so much. And listen, for our leaders on uh, listening out there, please reach out to Jessica. And she's in the South Central PA area like us. Call us up. We'll all meet. We'll all talk it together. And um, check her out. And Jesse, I can't thank you enough um, for the insights that you shared. Um, you always bless and teach me. And um, I scribbled down quite a few notes. I look forward to listening to this one many, many more times. Oh, God is awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you in ways that I really don't have the time to articulate, but just know that you are causing the matter for a lot of breakthroughs that I've had on a personal level as well as on a business level. So thank you for being you. Keep being a light in this world. And I appreciate the time we spent together today. Thank you, sister. So for our listeners out there, please be sure if you uh, like what you hear, send us a note. We answer all our emails. And if you do us the honor of a rating, that would be incredible. Be sure and hit the subscribe button as well. Reach out to Jesse and to our tremendous leaders out there. You keep on paying the price of leadership. I hope you got some wonderful insights about how you can be all that God puts you on this earth to be. Thank you so much for being a part of our tribe and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>